Welcome to another jam-packed edition of the New Age Boxing Podcast. And welcome to another edition of the New Age Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White, and the editor of New Age Boxing, and uh, resident boxing host, press-accredited superstar, Martin Fierbold. Yeah, that'll be me, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I spent last night hanging around the uh, ring canvases down at your call. We'll come on to that later. Celeb special edition. Um, welcome to the podcast. We've got a jam-packed edition for you today. Uh, I suppose, starting with last night, the Leeds card uh, on Sky. Yep, where do you want to start? Because a lot of it's pretty poor, so I don't want to spend too much time. <laughs> There's loads going on. Right, well, let's talk briefly about the Martin Murray fight, because I saw part of it. Okay, well, as I said, I was actually out last night, so I've kind of, I saw the results, so I've used my old Sky Plus and skipped through an awful lot of it, because I saw the results and didn't fancy it before the fight. And when I saw the result, I didn't fancy seeing it after the fight. So, <laughs> um, as much as I've seen it, it was no surprise to anyone, I think, that, uh, that Murray, you know, battered a bloke who's come up from middleweight. It was just not good enough. So you saw it, you, uh, you tell me. I saw parts of it. Um, I was, uh, in the bar that I was in, I was, I was watching it essentially. Um, and. Such uh, a good date. <laughs> Such a good date. <laughs> Jose Torres, uh, basically, uh, Martin Murray's opponent, got, well, I was going to say got knocked down, because that's generally what happens when somebody goes down. Yeah. yeah but it was like, it was, it was almost like he had uh, an American staff sergeant in his corner going, take a knee, son. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Uh, there was at least, uh, I'm not sure, I think it was about the fifth round, maybe. Um, but basically, he took a knee, he then stood up, got an eight count, then... Went in for another sort of barrage of Martin Murray, who didn't really get much off before he went down again on his knee. Then he st- got another standing eight count, then went in again, and then started hanging onto Martin Murray. At one point, it was like he was hanging around him, like you see, you know, rugby players are those training machines. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's what it looked like. I thought, this is terrible. What yeah. is he doing? He was never going to be a pretty fighter. It was think, just so. like a baby orangutan trying to hold on to his mum. It just didn't, it was terrible. It really was. And, yeah. Uh, it's a real, yeah. like, I actually like Martin Murray. You know, he's moved up from middleweight where he lost to Golovkin. And like, Matchroom are just wasting. It's his third fight as super middleweight. They're all throwaway fights. They're now talking about possibly getting him Arthur Abraham for a title shot. But. You know, in reality, he's come off of the Golovkin fight and moved up in weight. Now, Golovkin lost an 11th round stoppage, nothing to be ashamed of. But if he wasn't good enough at a level at that point to be able to step up to super middleweight and pick a title shot at that point, he has done nothing to deserve a title shot three fights later at super middleweight because <laughs> he's just beaten absolute you know dross of fighters. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm not convinced why he deserves a super middleweight title shot with the three fighters that he's had but yeah I said I actually like Martin Murray but I don't want to discuss it too much because I don't like that fight but it, yeah it was a Frank terrible fight honestly <laughs> okay so let's move on to the Tony Bellew fight talking of fights I don't like <laughs> <laughs> this is brilliant right I don't know if anyone saw this out there um, 
Tony Bellew was meant to be fighting on the undercard of Jamie McDonnell, who's fighting tonight. Uh, we'll come on to that later, but his trainer, David Coldwell, uh, is also Jamie McDonald's trainer. And so Tony Bellew was meant to be fighting over in Texas on a stay-busy fight, essentially. And Eddie Hearn did an interview a while back, and his like verbatim, his quote was, nobody wants to see Tony Bellew on the undercard of a Leeds fight in an eight-rounder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he ends up on the undercard of an eight-rounder in Leeds. So... um yeah, what was it? Fifth round stoppage again. Like, I don't like Bellew, frankly, as a fighter. He seems like a, a decent bloke, and he seems quite amusing. But as a fighter, I don't rate him at all. And he's talking now about going on to fight Hernandez, who's probably seen as one of the best cruiserweight champions. Um, but not for me. Like, I think he'd get battered. What's prospects for Bellew's career at this point? Um, What's, because, sort of, give us a rundown of what what it's been so far. Well, like, what leads you to say that you don't like him? It's just because his style of fight. His or? style of fight. I don't. He's never in. He, he started off. He got the name of the bomber Bellew as you know he was knocking people down, knocking people out. <laughs> they bumps. Yeah. Well, similar right. to what we've just said about Martin Murray stepping up right. from middleweight to super middleweight, fighting bums, and then seemingly being in a position whereby he can dictate a title fight. Tony Bellew stepped up from light heavyweight. He's beaten nobody of note. He beat Nathan cleverly, but that was a shambles of a fight. And from there, he's beaten a couple of bums. And now he's talking about being in a world title fight. <laughs> it's just, I know that it's all politics. I know that it's yeah. you know about the money and the matchmaking. But again, if he wasn't in a position whereby he could challenge for a world title when he stepped up to cruiserweight, which was when he got smashed by Adonis Stevenson, then he's not in a position now whereby he's improved himself. Arguably, the Nathan Cleverly fight did improve it, but Nathan Cleverly spent one fight at Cruiserweight, got dicked, and he's dropped back down. <laughs> so I don't. Right. There's no justification for me as to how Bellew gets that spot. So it sounds very much to me like essentially he's kind of been. There's a there's a uh, concoction there of mismanagement of his career perhaps as well as like just like you say the style of fighter that he is and it's very difficult to say he's been mismanaged of a career oh, okay. because ultimately he's um you know he's had two world title shots one in the first cleverly fight and now uh, or say the Adonis Stevenson fight so you can't say he's been mismanaged and he's making money out of it so you know ultimately management of a career comes down to how much money a fighter makes and when can they retire and can they retire comfortably and I'm sure Tony Bellew in a couple of years, a few years, will be in that position. It's just, I think that the aspirations that people have for him and the way that he's talked up by both himself and by Eddie Hearn, say, um, he's never going to be able to meet those expectations. I mean, before this like fight... Harrison. <laughs> like Harrison, who was Eddie Hearn's creation, by the way. <laughs> All right, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, before this fight, there were interviews with Bellew where he was saying, I'm just going to be vicious, man. I'm just going to... such a terrible Scouse accent. Uh, <laughs> but he was saying, I'm going to go out there and, again, let's quote him verbatim, I'm going to take this bloke's head off. Now, I know nothing about Kulikowskis, who he fought, but when I read the result... He's now decapitated. When I read the result, there was nothing about heads rolling around the Leeds <laughs> Arena, apart from the fucking crowd, probably. But, um, yeah, again, it's when he... It gives it all the hyperbole before a fight, and then struggles him, yeah. to to match it. It's it's not good for me. Like, uh, <laughs> there are fighters out there who are never going to be world champions. That's absolutely fine. But don't talk like you already are. Um, right. and, and to me, I, I say just I, his style of fighting doesn't doesn't appease me. But I'm sure it does others. So. 
Well, okay, I guess we've wasted far too much hot air speaking of Yeah, money. it's not a good So fun. let's move on to more exciting things. Um, did you call the Warrington Brunker fight correctly? Uh, well, I can't remember, so I'm going to say yes. Uh, <laughs> I probably didn't because uh, <laughs> we've, we've done a few bits of Joel Brunker and I quite like him. Um, you know, he's an Aussie, so I shouldn't, but uh, he's a really, really sound bloke, so I probably called a Brunker win. just you did. Cause, uh, In the ninth round. Did I? Was, oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> miles off. Um, he got schooled from uh, from what I saw of it. You know, Warrington. It's been said a hundred times, not by me, by others, and by anyone else. If Warrington had power, he'd be a dangerous fighter, but he doesn't. And, yeah. <laughs> if he was a good boxer, he'd be dangerous. Well, he is a good boxer. You know, you can see it last night. He won every round of that fight. It's just that he doesn't have the power to back it up. And so they're talking about next year. Getting Warrington in with Lee Selby at Ellen Road. Uh, Lee Selby will batter him. A hundred percent. Lee Selby, although given my prediction we've just gone over right now. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I remember gospel. I remember saying something similar in 2005. Juventus are definitely going to smash Liverpool. <laughs> Milan are definitely going to smash Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly Steven Gerrard's hold, holding up the European Cup. Yeah. Uh, some people... Uh, what is it about Josh Warrington that you have... Underrated. Um. Again, he. Okay. Like he. Um. He's fought the same opponents that Selby has fought. Now Selby stopped Brunker. Um. And from watching it back again from last night, there is no point you think that Warrington's even hurting him particularly. Like, yeah. Okay. May have um, may have dazed him a little bit at times, but you know Selby is a relentless, um, sharp puncher. Whereas Warrington has a good work rate, but he doesn't have that sharpness and that power. And Selby so much bigger than him as well. So it would be a mismatch if those two fought. Well, uh, and you said they're likely to fight. They're talking about They're both Eddie Hearn fighters. Um, it would make my... Eddie Hearn loves an outdoor show. We know that. Uh, there's talk of Ellen Road. You know, Selby doesn't have a massive following back in Barry. There isn't, you know, the huge... Uh, huge money to be made whereas you know they fill out the first direct arena in Leeds and I'm sure there are many that couldn't get tickets for it so if they took it to Ellen Road for 30-40,000 people then um, there, there's money to be made in it and you might as well cash out on Warrington like get him a couple of uh, maybe a fight before then then put him in with Selby cash him out a little bit get all the fans there and then probably burn down Ellen Road because a bunch of hooligans. <laughs> <laughs> Burning down Ellen Road wouldn't be a bad show. Well, there you go, yeah. Swings around about, isn't it? So, expand on your adventures last night then there uh, with Goodwin Promotions card. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Saturday night down at York Hall in Bethnal Green. It was uh, the season opener for Goodwin Promotions, their new era show. Um, as the name implies, really, it wasn't some of the more established stars that they've got. It was more giving the younger faces and the kind of a few debutants, uh, a few people who were kind of on the road up. They were the ones that were kind of given an opportunity last night. Um, that said, I mean the place was full. There wasn't a spare seat in there. It was uh, it was buzzing at times. It was quiet others, but uh, there were certain fighters that had really big followings there with them. Um, there's a full review of it on the website, so I won't go through all of it now, but uh, I'll pick out a few of the, the highlights for me. I enjoyed um, Andrew Joycey against Luskas Leskovic. Uh, there's going to be a few dodgy pronunciations here, because there are quite a few... Uh, <laughs> because it's you pronouncing it. <laughs> yeah, I think I got Andrew right. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I thought Joycey was a really awkward fighter, actually. He moved in and out of range really well. Uh, he caused a lot of problems for 
Leskovic, uh, that's in at welterweight, and it put Joycey to 2-0 in his career. Uh, AJ Carter against Igor Mihailovic, which ended in the second round with uh, Carter getting a, a huge KO. Um, and it was on the ones where they get the oxygen mask on the other fighter, and you're quite happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a heavyweight, a heavyweight knockout. This was a great knockout. The geezer was like, it took him a few seconds to even move on the canvas. There's no point counting. Uh, <laughs> the sick thing is, everyone's like, yeah, that's what we're coming for. <laughs> yeah, it's it. someone getting battered. Yeah, so uh, the big dog, AJ Carter. <laughs> um, he moves to seven wins, two losses. Now, one of his losses came to. Larry Ulabamil, uh by disqualification for hitting on the break, so it's a bit of an unfortunate loss, that one. Um, hitting on the break, explain that one. Okay, so the ref, when you're tied up together, uh, he'll come together. Well, like when it gets to the point where one fighter's holding, it's okay to come together. When one's holding, the referee will come in and break you up. At that point, you have to move away until the ref says, box on. So pulls you together and says, box on. Now, uh, AJ Carter didn't wait for that, and he hit uh, Olabamillo. Before he'd, way out, before he'd been told to box on, flaws okay. him uh, and got disqualified for it. So, uh, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things. You don't see it that often. Um, so, yeah, it's probably a bit too much over-enthusiasm at the time. So, although it's a loss on his record, it's yeah. I saw Olabamio last night against uh, Ryan Crawford and I'm pretty sure AJ Carter would have done him were it not for the disqualification. Cause well, is that Was that misjudgment or was that... Because... Um, we, uh, we were talking the other day about the Mayweather, Mayweather knockout that he, yeah, he, 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 he Victor Ortiz one. I realised that it was different because it was after he'd been told to box yeah. on, right? So, do you think it was a misjudgment that he it was before, or what was it, lack of discipline? I, I haven't seen it, so I couldn't oh, tell okay. you, but uh, it's probably, uh, if I had to take a punt, probably uh, a little bit of a misjudgment. Mm. But, um, you know, it's pretty extra advantage. Yeah, it? absolutely. Oh wait, I've got to be told to box on. I forgot. Yeah, um, you know these things happen, really. But it's uh, I saw. I say Larry Olabamio was fighting a debutant Ryan Crawford last night, and um, <laughs> I mean back in the day, Olabamio was an okay fight. He was the uh, Southern Area heavyweight champion. He goes by the name of the War Machine, but <laughs> yeah, like these days, that man doesn't skip a meal. He is a unit of a man, um, and yeah, he lost to Ryan Crawford on his debut last night. Um, I have a quick question, sorry about that, um, about the whole disqualification thing. Um, is it, when you, in regards to your boxing record, does a loss just count as a loss of you know disqualification or whatever? Yeah. So it's, it's, there's no advantage to be disqualified rather than being knocked out. No, no. Right, okay. No, just get DQ'd if you're losing. It's fine. Yeah, well, that's, that's <laughs> right. I wondered if, you know, some people in certain other sports, like a javelin throw, for example, just put his effort over on our side. No, no, it's, it's still a loss. It's a loss. Right, okay. Um, there was an interesting one, Spyros Demetrius, who um, I grabbed him after and had a quick word with him. He was happy with his performance. He was fighting Moses Matuvu. Uh, this was Demetrius's debut at Cruiserweight. Now, Demetrius, for Cruiserweight, I mean, uh, I stood next to him and chatted to him afterwards. I'm six foot, and he came up relatively short on me. Um, and as a Cruiserweight, that's that's pretty small. But Was he six foot wide as well? Yeah, man alive. <laughs> like, that geezer has a body on him. And I was chatting to him after, and he says he owns a gym, which explains quite a lot of his physique. Um, but he came down to the ring on his debut. He's got the full... Um, 
don't even remember when Derek Chisora fought Klitschko and he came down with the full face mask over the front of himself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I like yeah. that look on a boxer. Like, when they're making their way to the ring, that's an intimidating look. Then he takes that robe off. You're like, yeah, fair play, man. I think um, it's more intimidating when they dance behind a screen like the scene. <laughs> <laughs> 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So, yeah, he was fighting Moses Matuvu. Now, Moses Matuvu is there to lose. He's a journeyman. He's... Um, but, I mean, this fight was greatly entertained at times. It, it'd it be difficult for Demetrius to get a stoppage there. Like, very few people stop Matuvu. He knows how to not lose by knockout. But, uh, yeah, there were times when Matuvu would, like... <laughs> he'd lean back and just lay on the ropes for a few seconds, like one arm up on him. He, uh, <laughs> he dropped his gloves and did a little dance move in the middle of the ring. <laughs> he does all the... the proper. <laughs> He does all the proper journeyman, like, pleasing the crowd stuff. Because, I mean, he needed to, really, because Demetrius had a massive following there with him. Uh, and I was sat just in front of a lot of them. And, uh, yeah, he, for somebody who was making their debut fight, if he can carry that support with him through, I mean, he, he's probably a fairly big ticket seller, I'm guessing. Um, I say a man who runs his own gym. I'm going to try and catch up with him in the week. But yeah, he was quite happy with his performance. He was never going to get the stoppage because Matuvu isn't there to be stopped. He's there to uh, to go the rounds, which he did. Um, final fight of the night was Carl Wheeler versus Tomislav Rudin, I think it was. Now, Carl Wheeler, he took nine years out of boxing. Um, he's now into his third fight back, and that's his third win. He's another cruiserweight that's on the uh, Goodwin Promotions banner. He's a big, big man. Like I was really? just saying about... Um, Demetrius being a kind of small squat fighter, he um, he's a, a big, big kind of unit of a man. Muscles, tall. Uh, he had a good engine on him as well. I mean, he went the full six rounds. It never really looked like he was going to win by stoppage, but he dominated every round. It was a nice moment at the end where he got his kid into the ring with him as well for uh, for celebrating the victory. There's a special mention as well, Jose Lopez. We've done something with Jose a while back for the website, and he's the one who's dubbed the next David Hay. It was a little bit flat at times from Lopez. I think by his own admission, he would say it probably wasn't the uh, the best performance that he's ever done. Um, I mean, he moves him on to four wins, no defeats. He did drop his opponent in the third round. Um, you know, he got up and fought on through to the end of the sixth. A couple of times that Lopez kind of tried to get the crowd behind him, big roar. Um, he didn't do anything wrong particularly. It just wasn't the dazzling performance I think that you'd hope for and expect from somebody who's got you know a fairly good buzz around him coming up. So yeah, he he got some fairly spiteful uh, shots within what he was picking in that third round in particular. He couldn't get his man out of there, but uh, it probably wasn't. I'd guess he would say it wasn't his uh, his best performance ever, but. Uh, he certainly displayed enough on the night to say that he's got the bundles of ability, bundles of skill, and I'm sure he can go on to do better. And before we finish up it, I want to give a massive shout out to the Croatian cornerman who worked about six fights last night. <laughs> was uh, he was a busy man, and uh, I loved him. Like he was the most negative bastard. <laughs> he was just mouthing off. Every one of his fighters is there within reason, you know, like they've been flown over for a reason. They're not particularly there to win a lot of them. Um, but someone should have told that corner man that because he didn't care. Like he was, <laughs> uh, I, I don't speak Croatian or whatever the language is. Oh, right. Is. So it was all Croatian. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. But, uh, you know, he's gesticulating about every single fighter. And his view clearly wasn't circling around their opponent enough because <laughs> I could see his hands going and go. Just spin round. Yeah. Make him dizzy. Be fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, 
I would say in most of the fights, he he threw an awful lot of punches. Like, I'd like to see his punch stats come the end because <laughs> he must have been knackered. But he was great entertainment to watch as well. Like, it's full of enthusiasm. But yeah, it's a really good night. Um, they got another one bombs away on in two weeks. But uh, I was chatting with Steve very briefly last night, and I think the card he's really, really looking forward to is October 17th at York Hall, uh, which got a few title fights, which we'll cover when we get nearer the time. Fantastic. Well, we've got a lot of time for gun promotions because they give us the time of day as well. They do. Is... Their fighters do as well. It's always appreciated. Okay, let's move on to stuff you have done for the website. What interviews have you brought us this week? Here we had this week. Uh, Nick Blackwell, who's the current British middleweight champion. Um, I spoke with him. He was actually out in camp uh, helping to train Frank Buglioni uh, over in Ireland with Packy Collins. Now, I say it's Frank Buglioni is going to be so well prepared for this fight he's got coming up with Chudinov. He's got um, Spike O'Sullivan. He's got this. This is the one that's been delayed, right? Yeah, yeah it's got delayed because of the broken nose to Chudinov. Right. So he's got Spike O'Sullivan out there. He's a cracking fighter. Mm-hmm. He's got Nick Blackwell, who's the British middleweight champion, out there helping him out. He's got Sergey Kamitsky out there, who's going over there shortly. Who's the only man to have beaten Frank Buglioni? He's going out there to do sparring with him and. Yeah, presumably tell him what he found as his weaknesses during the fight. So he's going to be so well prepared for this fight. Um, so a lot of people are doubting him, not giving him a massive chance, but uh, I think he's going to probably surprise you. Whether or not he wins, I don't know, but I think he'll probably put up a very good performance. But anyway, going back to Nick Blackwell, yeah, he's uh, he's out training with Frank Buglioni. Um, again, full interview on the website with him. When I spoke with him, he did suggest uh, we could do a two-for-one interview because he had Spike O'Sullivan next to him at the time that I was speaking. Um, but, yeah, and no, I turned it down because Spike's mad. And <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have the time for both of them. I love Spike. Um, so, yeah, I asked him about going, you know, the current middleweight scene. Um, clearly, <laughs> there's the uh, the Billy Joe Saunders and Andy Lee fight, which has been postponed again because Eubank has uh, cut his eye recently. So the World War Three card that Frank Warren's put out is now down to World War Two because, although they've not officially renamed it. Um, so, yeah, that's going on the middleweight scene. I was asking about, you know, the likes of um, Chris Eubank Jr., which is a fight that, I think I don't really understand all of it, but I think at one point it was due to be scheduled, and then Eubank Junior kind of didn't want it. Um, when was Eubank Junior's last fight? Oh, don't we were me and uh, Nick we were discussing this. Was it? Was it? Uh, no, he beat um, Fedor Chudinov's brother. His name escapes me. Right. But the one that Buglioni's fight, and he fought his brother. Right. Um, that was his last fight. His last fight. He won some, as Nick Blackwell put it, he puts he won some belt. <laughs> but like a WBA international or something. Right, um, okay. So I asked him about the prospect of would he get in with Eubank, but as he sees it, he says, you know, Eubank is looking to cash in on this belt that he's got. He's going to fight some international people till he gets himself a shot at a world title. That kind of is about it. Chris Eubank Jr. is so aloof. Like, you don't hear from him. So many boxes you hear from on social media. You know what their plans are vaguely. You know, they're in training, they're in camp. Chris Eubank Jr. is like the antithesis of that. You don't hear anything from him. I don't him. find him... I, when he first came on the scene, I kind of expected... And possibly this is my fault, but I kind of expected an, an, a re-embodiment of his dad, you know, sort of like... I think that's his own fault as well, because he portrayed, you know, he leaps the rope, he... Oh yeah, okay. He 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 isn't shy of being Chris Eubank. Jr. So then, <laughs> so then, 
Chris Eubank liked by the looks of things because he doesn't have that sort of same presence, does he? He doesn't. I was really excited to go and watch him. We saw him at the XL and yeah. he lost, didn't he? He to lost to Billy Joe Saunders. Saunders. Yeah. Um, I, and at that point, I remember standing there thinking that he might have taken that fight. Um, obviously, he didn't. But then uh, after that, the, f- the fact that I've not heard anything about him and just. I don't know, he just doesn't have seem to have the same. You constantly hear boxers, and we speak about them all the time on here. Going on at each other, I never hear him anymore. I never hear you speak about him. I never see him on social media. No, just, it's a real him. shame. Like he's a talented fighter. Um, you wish he would be more active. And what is that? Why is that? Just why, I don't know. I mean, a ta- is it? A, a, do you think it's a choice? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't even know who he's promoted by these days. It used to be he was on uh, Channel Five with Mick Hennessy, and then he switched to being with Frank Warren, I believe, for the. Well, he certainly fought under the Frank Warren card against Billy Joe Saunders, but mm. I couldn't tell you even who he's promoted by now. And it's just really disappointing. Like, yeah. I, I would like to no, see more of him, you know, even just in the public eye. You can't expect to fight every month, but just to get himself out there and get himself seen. Because there are so many others that do, and I use Nick Blackwell as, uh, you know, a prime example, that he's accessible, he's, he's a decent bloke, he's a good talker, he... Um, you know he's active. Well, he's it? he's calling out other fighters within reason. You know John Ryder was who he beat for the vacant middleweight title, and he was saying, you know, John Ryder's great fight. He said, "I'll fight John Ryder again." Nick Blackwell's intention is to win that British belt outright. He said he wants something to put up in his house, show the grandkids. Uh, so he wants to defend it for the three times. He wants to get that belt. Uh, you know, he was talking about other fighters and talking quite positively about them as well, but. It just seems like nobody has a good word to say about Eubank Jr. either. Just he's well, it's, I'm sure there'll be people out there listening to this that won't like me saying this, but effectively, a, a boxer is is himself a brand, right? So, so in the same way, if the more they promote themselves, the more they become relevant in the public eye, the more they become something that people want to be a, like. Whereas a brand, or people would be associated with. Where a boxer, people people want to see them, want to be involved in their fights, or whatever makes them it makes them just more useful as a boxer. They and, generate interest, I, I yeah, which think, then turns into income. Right? Yeah, I mean that's what they're all in it for. You kind of forget that it's a sport, and that's fine. And the, you know they might love the sport, but ultimately they probably wouldn't choose to do it without the money being there. Um, or even if they even if they did choose to do it without the money, they still got to generate some interest in order for them to get up. Yeah. Into challenging for titles, yeah, right? No, absolutely. So, uh, anyway, we're wasting enough time on you, yeah, Bank Junior. That we've kind of agreed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, Nick Blackwell says he's looking to win that middleweight title outright. So, hopefully, he'll be active over the next few months. Uh, we caught up with Lucas Brown, who we spoke with a while back. Um, after a long, long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, Lucas Brown, who fought last month, uh, he beat uh, Long, who was the. There you go, Long, Long. Um, <laughs> You know, the massive American, like seven foot plus of the bloke. Um, that's one where Lucas Brown broke his uh, thumb on his right hand in the first round. Uh, so he was very much limited to just using the left hand after that. So, yeah, it's he's in recovery. He's back in the gym now. Uh, he's obviously fairly limited. He can't be using that uh, that left too much. So, you know, I think sparring's out the, uh, the window. Interestingly, uh, I was querying with him about what's going on with Ricky Hatton. Uh, and he's, uh, I think, essentially, they just seem to have fallen out. Now, Ricky Hatton is his promoter. Um, when Lucas Brown came to prominence over in England, it was when he beat our unbeaten heavyweight Richard Towers. Um, that was under kind of Hatton's promotion, and it was fought in England. At that point, you kind of thought you could make a fairly strong, as you put it, brand out of uh, Lucas Brown. You know, it was a big hit in 
he's very raw, uh, but hard hitting, powerful heavyweight, and he looks like a heavyweight. He looks like a unit. Um, so I think him and you know he's very uh, cautious. He doesn't say too much because I think he's he said it before. He's kind of cautious of legal issues over saying too much. But it's fairly clear, you know, when Lucas Brown fought um, uh, fought long last month. Whilst the fight was ongoing, Ricky Hatton tweeted out a picture of himself on holiday with his mates. It's, oh, don't take the piss, man. Um, so you got to feel a little bit sorry for Lucas Brown. He's very isolated in terms of... I, I think he probably struggles to know what's going on at times in his career because his promoter doesn't talk to him. There was talk that he's or, blocked him on Twitter at one point. Or give a toss about him. Yeah, I, say, I think from what I understand, Ricky Hatton's blocked his own person on Twitter so uh, that's a bit <laughs> of an odd one so yeah it's um, yeah he's very resolute he doesn't think the Deontay Wilder fight is any closer to happening um, you know there's been talk of it for a while those two go back and forth on Twitter all the time but I don't think we're going to be seeing that anytime soon he's got his eyes set really on Ruslan Chagayev who's the WBA uh, regular heavyweight title holder uh, I think that's really the route that he's going down. And I suspect, I hope for his sake that he gets that fight. Hatton cashes out on him, you know, claims the money out of getting a world title fight. On. And then he can move on and find himself a new promoter. Okay, moving on then. Let's look at what's coming up this week. Uh, we've got the much-anticipated um, fans' favourite Mayweather versus Berto. Like building a brand, yeah. Um <laughs> Let's not spend too long talking about this because I don't want to give it the credence that it doesn't particularly deserve. Maybe the wins points next. Okay, it's a tough one, but I'm going to agree with you. Let's go to <laughs> um, George Groves is fighting again. He is. He's got his third world title shot now. The two against uh, Carl Froch. He's now fighting Badu Jack on the undercard of Mayweather Berto. It's a fight that, to be fair, it probably promises to steal the show somewhat. Um, yeah, Groves has had. Uh, two fights since the second Froch loss, which were the Dennis Douglin and the Christopher Brasse fights. He's not looked well beater within them, but they're probably difficult fights to look a well beater in, if that makes sense. So because uh, because the opponents were fairly awkward. rugged, dogged, awkward. Mm. Um, so it's an interesting one. You know, uh, Badu Jack's lost before. He's been knocked out before. I think I'm going to go with Groves KO. I think as much as people, you know, dislike Groves as well, you know, during the build-up to the, the Frotch fights, I think he's probably kind of got, he's garnered a little bit more public um, goodwill over the last however long. I think it'll be an interesting one. I think he would have a better, <laughs> uh, if he'd have, in my view, if he'd have kept Adam Booth as his trainer rather than Paddy Fitzpatrick, who he swapped to, I think he would be in a better position now to win. Because... Um, Adam Booth has a history of um, being able to dictate fights somewhat and take fighters that perhaps he helps fighters overachieve I think it'd be fair to say is another way of putting it uh, so the David Hay fight when he uh, took on Nikai Valuev you know, got him to uh, to that point and he beat Valuev with his tactics of which isn't rocket science to beat Valuev hit and move Andy Lee, he's taken him on uh, since the passing of Emmanuel Stewart. And, you know, he's changed him slightly as a fighter. He's developed the, the hook, which carries all the power for Andy Lee, and he kind of utilizes that, which he never used to do before, really. So he's got a history of taking fighters up to kind of world title level and 
kind of beyond what you would reasonably expect that they could have achieved. So I think, you know, he probably would have done. And don't forget that he was with Groves all the way up to the first Frotch fight and then he, they fell out or whatever. And it was Fitzpatrick took over before that first Frotch fight. Okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah, to me, like, I would look back at that and think it would be better. Okay, so quickly, just to, <coughs> going back, because I, I like to get these off of you. You go. You went Mayweather, Berto, you said Mayweather wins. Are you going to hold me to these? Oh, no, well, yeah, I think people <laughs> like it. Right, but when, how does he win? Points? Uh, what, Mayweather? Points. Berto, yeah. Right, <laughs> points. Okay, and Groves, Badu, Jack? Groves, care. You win, though. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sixth. Six. Like mid round. Okay. I'm gonna go for Groves um on points, Mayweather on points. Fair enough. Okay, um Joshua. Anthony Joshua's fighting Gary Cornish. Yeah. Uh the big Scotsman Gary Cornish. It's kind of been overlooked in this, really. A heavyweight who's got twenty one victories, no losses, um against Anthony Joshua with his thirteen wins, no losses. Interesting fight. It's difficult. I've not seen a massive amount of Gary Cornish, if I'm honest. A lot of his fights have happened up in Scotland. He hasn't had any TV exposure over his fights. And so he's he's coming into it. Oh, it's difficult to say as an unknown because there's enough out there you can watch of him. But he's almost being overlooked. And, you know, he's he's a big, big man. Yeah. Um, I think so, would it, so therefore, would, would if Joshua were to win, could you say it was a, a genuine... Um, it, wasn't just another bum that he's been. It'd be the most genuine right. uh, win that he's got on his record because Gary Cornish is going to come and try and win it himself, which nobody else is bothered trying to do. <laughs> it could be a genuine. So it could. It could be a genuine upset. Are we, are we looking that far into it? Or? <laughs> Joshua will win, I think. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's difficult. You probably got to say that if Joshua is going to win, he's probably going to win within four rounds because um, that's all we've seen him do so far. So there's the question marks on Joshua past four rounds. Or... Yeah, absolutely. Right. But you know, a man who's got that much muscle on his frame, like the oxygenation required <laughs> for that amount of muscle, is huge. And so, like his um, his aerobic ability to keep those muscles going into the later rounds of a fight, there's a huge doubt. Over so that. what what sort of historical precedents do you have for larger fighters? What's the sort of biggest? Fighters that go that have well, I mean, it's different, isn't it? Because you can have bigger fighters like Nikolai Valuev, who's a huge unit of a man, whereas Anthony Joshua's pure muscle, like you know, he's chiseled out of it. But like Frank Bruno, for instance, he was chiseled out of muscle all the way through his career. There were question marks over his engine, something it was more his heart and his chin, I suppose. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think Joshua. It's difficult to tell. He may be able to go twelve rounds full pace. Yeah, yeah maybe wider the mark here, but um, I think he'll. <laughs> It's difficult because neither man's ever been flawed, you know. It's all unknown, isn't it? It's all unknown. Neither of them have been tested. So you've got to favour Joshua just because of the hype around him, I suppose. But you can't say for certain that... Yeah, but I like to get you to speculate so you can be proven wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Right, Cornish, first round KO. (laughs) 11 seconds, going to be match last week. Everyone's going to like it when you come back next time. They're going to be like, ah. And I'm going to say to you, oh, right, so uh, Cornish won the first round. So what was that about? Joshua round four. (laughs) Round four, okay. Um, let's move on to um, Joshua's uh, future opponent, potentially. Yeah, the show is called Collision Course for a reason. All right, uh, okay. All uh, right. <laughs> um, Gary Cornish is like, what's he called again? <laughs> Don't worry about you. You're not interested. <laughs> nothing to do with you. Collision Course, mate. You're the uh, debris. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dillian White 
uh, v Brian Minto. Yeah. Um, okay, so Dillian White, as you say, is the one being lined up to fight um, Anthony Joshua in December. I won't go into the history. People know the history. I'm sure they fought in the amateurs, etc. So Brian Minto is an American. He's got a record of 41 wins and nine losses. Um, it's an interesting one. Yeah, you know, I've spoken a little bit with Brian Minto over social media. Now this is a guy who has fought as a career cruiserweight. Essentially, he's had the odd fight up at, at heavyweight, and so um, I think you know he's taking it on very short notice. He's not the kind of fighter that takes things on short notice. And so my guess would be that they're paying him quite handsomely to come over for this one. They need to build Dillian White up. I think they've missed a bit of a trick here. They should have given him an opponent a while back to, you know, build the two of them as, um, you know, equals, as being on a par with one another. And they're not doing that. They're building Joshua and leaving Dillian White out of it almost. Which Dillian White is quite vocal about it on Twitter and what have you. Is, uh, you know, is, he says it's the game that they're playing. So don't worry about it from his perspective. So, Brian Minto, he's a live test. Again, he's probably the biggest test for um, Dillian White so far to date. He, you know, he's not in his prime anymore. He's 40 years old. He's been over here before for a prize fighter tournament. Um, he didn't do spectacularly well, but it's not a great format for him. Um, yeah, I mean, White, I think you'd be surprised if White doesn't win it. It's uh, probably a maybe an eight-round stoppage. I can see Minto lasting. Okay, right. Uh, I think we need to move on. Time is getting on. So, Dillian White, eight round, eight round stoppage. I'm going okay. for. So, what's going on tonight? Tonight, or, or what will be tomorrow? Uh, yesterday, but people hear this. Yeah, it's an hour. Uh, in an hour's time on Sky. So uh, let's wrap this up so I can piss off. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie McDonald versus Smokey Kameda. It's happening out in Texas. It's one of these PBC Al Heyman cards. It's a rematch from uh, earlier this year. Um, it's a great fight. Again, we mentioned it last week, so I'm not going to go into it in huge detail. I feel bad for Jamie McDonald. Like that geezer is a top, top bantamweight. He's a you know, arguably the best bantamweight in the division. He's undersold by Sky. Um, you can't tell me if Anthony Joshua was out having a heavyweight title fight in America that they wouldn't have made a massive deal of it and it wouldn't be on every football advert going. Yeah, I can't um, help but think that's just because of the size of him. No, it is, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, they make a big deal out of Scott Quigg. And Scott Quigg's a regular title holder, which mm. arguably so is McDonald, but he beat... Uh, you know, another title holder in Kameda. So, yeah, McDonald is talking about if he wins this, he's going to go up to super bantamweight and take on um, Quig Frampton, Rigondale. He's called them all out already. He's not even up there yet. So, uh, yeah, I think um, it'll be, it's such a 50-50 fight. So I'm going to go Kameda on points because McDonald got the last one. I think Al Heyman's team will will probably sway it somewhat. So... I'm going to pick Kamado on points. You did mention this is kind of a home draw for Kamado. It is, yeah, yeah. He's the uh, the Japanese Texan, essentially. Um, so, yeah, classic. I think... Yeah, one of those classic moves. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go... McDonald lose a really, really close, tight decision on points and then moves up in weight, be my guess. <sighs> what happened, eh? What happened to our big man, Tony Moran? His dreams fallen apart. He's won by default. Isn't world, it? <laughs> world's crashed down around him. He's won by default. Roy Jones has bricked it and stayed in America. Yeah, I mean, you can't blame him. Like, Tony Moran's a badass. 
He's, he was never going to win. The man, the man's a mountain. Roy Jones just doesn't have the pedigree, mate. So, no. do we know why he's pulled out? Well, no, not officially. Um, Is it because I'm just going out on a limb here? Who and where and nah? <laughs> um, right, there's been a lot of stuff from Roy Jones of late. Uh, lots of stories coming out about him doing stuff with Vladimir Putin in Russia. Don't know why. Don't know for what purpose. Um, but there's a lot of, I mean, Roy Jones being quite adamant he wants a shot at a cruiserweight world title. There are a handful of very, very good Russian Eastern European cruiserweights. There's talk today that, um, he's been offered a world title fight at cruiserweight, which is why he is, I mean, the first that Stephen Vaughan apparently knew of this, that Roy Jones wasn't coming over to fight, was that he didn't board his plane in America. It's like, that's a real, Bitch move, man. Like yeah. they, they have put a lot of time, effort. You know, these are people's live. It really annoys me. This right, they're people's livelihoods, and you know, I'm friends with Tony Moran on Facebook and what have you, and I see the amount of effort and training and all this stuff. He's been out selling tickets. He's been down the market selling the tickets himself. He's been doing all this for Roy Jones. So then, at a week's notice, not because he's broken his arm, not because he. You know, picked or up a virus. to broke his arm. Yeah. His arm um, you know, he's just pulled out of it for undisclosed reasons. Well, and not even really pulled out, just not boarded a plane. Yeah, and... it's a real, real horrible way yeah, of doing it. So, uh, there are people's livelihoods. Of, you know, Tony Moran spent time away from his kids. I've, yeah, this one really bites me, man. It's, uh... And also, like, when we went to the press conference, he, Roy was trying to sell himself as such a nice guy, yeah. a respectful man, and, and that he respected the sport just as much as he respected his opponent. And yeah. he kind of just... He's turned upside down. Craps all over that, doesn't it, really? Yeah. So, uh, no, it's, it's not a good look for Roy Jones. Now, don't get me wrong, there's loads of controversy about it happening on the Maltese Boxing Commission card, etc., etc. But, you know, they've got this far with it. And him to pull out like that is just, it's disrespectful. So, who goes in place of Roy Jones then? No, they're not going to, you know, Tony Moran's still going to fight. They've had to move it from the equestrian centre in Liverpool now to the Olympia, I think it is, up in Liverpool because they're anticipating far less people turning up. Um, You know, Tony Moran will fight, but they're not going to get anybody of any great ilk. So, it's going to be headlined now by, I think, Isaac Kay versus Paul Economides. For super bantamweight um, WBF world title, so that was going to kind of sit on the under or the main support for it. So that's now had to be bumped up, which doesn't have the same grandeur no, of seeing of Roy Jones Junior. So it's horrible. Oh well, not a fan. A shame. Okay. On a more positive note. Okay, it's pointless me uh, coming on with um, to tell you that I have a concrete fact as such. Um, it's point you just coming on with any facts, mate, because <laughs> they're always awful. But um, essentially, we I was talking about, um, well, no, we spoke about somehow... Don't drag me into this. Do not drag me into week. this. <laughs> um, and so I looked up midget boxing. Now, <sighs> it's not... The, the problem is, it's... Uh, well... It's not actually that much of a surprise that it's not a really major mainstream sport. No. <laughs> but there no. is a place to go and see midget boxing. Um, uh, your wet dreams. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, a place called uh, in Makati City, um, and it's in the Philippines. And so, <laughs> and uh, the home of morals, yeah. home of sweatshops, <laughs> home of midget boxing. Um, and it's I think Makati City is in Manila. 
And so there's a few articles of it online that I found, and some of them with some colourful pictures of, <laughs> well, at one point, the midgets are on top of each other wrestling <laughs> as the referee charges to their side. This looks more like an adult film than a boxing match, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> Um, I like the fact that, uh, I mean, granted, the listeners can't see the screen that we're looking at, but in the background, there's a legitimate boxing yeah, match I saw this, yeah, on like, a TV. If like, if why you get not bored watch with this terrible stuff in front of you? There's actually a boxing match going on. Um, right, this is <laughs> dreadful. And so, these, what happens is there's, there's a bar, clearly, that that's, that's the prerequisite. Yeah, just <laughs> get smashed if you're going to watch this, because it's terrible. Um, and two midgets get into the ring with some boxing gloves and, well, I suppose they play boxing. But um, then the <laughs> write, they write down, I must admit it was an assault to the senses and I was, wasn't quite sure how to react to the experience. Leave. That, to me, <laughs> Just leave. that sounds like someone who's been far too blown away by, I'm in a different country watching something different um it looks terrible there's no there's no, no part of it that makes me think oh that's fascinating that's not a boxer is it <laughs> they've got full-size headgears on but tiny heads <laughs> poking out <laughs> like someone stuck an action man figure onto an yeah, orange or something one of my one and a half year old daughter it would look a little bit like um that, the the uh, one of the midgets is Pouring over the side. Got, I've actually got full size boxing gloves. Yeah, I've got full size boxing gloves. Um, they're pouring over the side of the shore. Oh, <laughs> just with bog standard trainers on. He's a legit heavyweight by the looks <laughs> of him. Like, uh, I think they just go straight from here to the tossing <laughs> next door. Do they have the weight categories? <laughs> yeah. Um, fun size. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody that listens to it is vertically <laughs> challenged. Every. <laughs> Midget, right, so and, and on the front of the shop, the front of the bar, there's ringside bar, main event, and it's, and it's up like... Uh, <laughs> <you t> <laughs> and then you've got, you've got layers like something you'd see on an old cinema, um, you know, outside of an old cinema, you'd see the lines where the people stick the, 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 the letters on, and it says, midget boxing, followed by lady boxing, followed by midget dancer. <laughs> So when you've had enough of the boxing, then you can get down and dirty for some major dancing. Are we sure that the boxers don't just then go and take to your table? Well, and, judging um, by the state of them, that would be an assault to the senses. So. That's true, yeah. <laughs> oh, so Lord. it's not so much a fact in as much as the, the best midget boxer in the world, because quite frankly, there is nothing on my source of information, Wikipedia, about an actual midget boxer. There was a, a boxer called Midget something. Oh, what was his name? Midget... I don't know what his name was. Midget something. But anyway, he was a normal boxer. And then as soon as I saw that, I got bored. I mean, looking at them, they look pretty shocking, right? Couldn't I just get a very talented kind of seven-year-old, eight-year-old kid and get him in there and just <laughs> clean up? Well, well, yeah, but you probably could because I was going to say... You have to be a midget. Then I thought, well, there's probably not a great deal of like medical examination that goes on before, <laughs> <laughs> given that it's in a pub. Um, just might be the age problem of getting through the doors. It's in like the first a school place. teacher's referee in it. Huh? Yeah, there's yeah. a lady in a in a something She's that resembles down or, like like uh, walking gear. It looks like the All Saints have packed off their outfits to oh, Manila. We've wasted enough of their time. Yeah, right. Um, Anyone has stuck that out, well done. <laughs> Thank you very much today. I sincerely hope there hasn't been any problems uh, sound quality. We've uh, changed the setup that we've got here, so if you, if there is any problems, um, apologies, and we will be working on it a bit more um, to tidy it up. Um, but thank you for sticking with us this long. 
Uh, we're not going to be around next week, and that was unforeseen. But I'm away with work, so it's not possible for me to um, no commitment. Yeah, to be able to come and do it. So unfortunately, we may rupture view, uh, listeners, but you know, oh, there's nothing I can do. I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm going to be on the other side of the world. So um, we'll be back the week after. Um, so thank you for listening, and we will see you in a couple of weeks' time. Take care. Bye bye.